touchdown. You're inside Tom Brady's dream, or you're in your own dream. No, I would enter Tom Brady's dream, and he'd be like, "What? What are you doing here?" There's an Inception I'd watch a Pats fan entering Tom's dream. Tom, you're gonna go. Uh, you're gonna go undefeated this season. This is my wife, Darlene. That's what I would do if I could enter people's dreams. Movie Court. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Movie Court. This court is now in session, and today we will be deciding the fate of 2010's Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan. As always, we have a defense attorney and a prosecrugger, and prosecrugger will introduce himself first. You go. You know, it's actually that's helping me remember my role because I literally forget every time. Am I the defense attorney or the prosecutor? <laughs> and on the other side, as always, our defense attorney, Kyle Bornheimer. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, everybody. As always, I am the Honorable Judge Ryan, and I will be making my decision based on the arguments brought to me in this court. But let's leap right into our opening statements. And Steve Kruger, who is bringing this movie up for prosecution because he thinks it's a cinematic fugitive from justice, will begin. Steve, you're on. Thank you, Ryan. Judge Ryan, just so you know out there, you're Judge Ryan. Or Judge That's it. Ryan. That's all you will ever know, sir. Judge Ryan Don't... or Judge Ryan. Okay. Anyway, this uh, this film, Inception, which I had to revisit for this court case, and I'm, I think I'm still watching it as I sit here. I think it's still playing on my computer. I, uh, I charge it with overthinking and over-explaining what was a really cool idea. This film is guilty of trying too hard, and I'm focusing my ire on Christopher Nolan who I believe thinks he's smarter than he is. Thus, he treads in waters wherein he cannot swim. And I would ask, <laughs> so I'm saying that Nolan is in way over his head, uh, not unlike Ben Affleck when he talk, goes on talk shows. Um, Nolan tries too hard, and he should just stick to popcorn movies. It's what Spielberg does. Don't overthink it, Christopher Nolan. Keep it simple, Spielberg. K-I-S-S. <laughs> That's it? That's what you want to close with? I yield the Case. floor. Okay, so let's move on to the other side of this argument. Kyle Bornheimer uh, will defend this movie. Go. Well, Counselor, I'm not sure how much you charge for a retainer or what, uh, what dark benefactor funds your judiciary crusades against ambitious filmmaking, but whatever the case is, you, you certainly like to go after the big fish, and I get it. In some ways, this uh, fake court was fake set up to catch big fish. I mean, on my, from my perspective, it was set up to, on behalf of the overly maligned movies. But you also uh, helped create this court so you could put uh, bloated, pretentious, out-of-control filmmakers in their place. Well, <clears throat> I am a man who counts Nicolas Cage as my favorite actor. By a long shot, by the way. So I thrive on defending big swings. And... I am here to defend the apparently not British, but possibly from Chicago, Christopher Nolan, and his big swings. Uh, I will use my time in this courtroom not only to defend this ambitious, well-made silliness that is Inception, but to explain our need in cinema today for big swings and big ideas like the ones in Inception. When ridiculousness is this well-made... 
that's what movies should be. We, we should have this crazy fucking idea put on screen by someone that knows how to yield a ca- how to wield a camera and yield a camera. Um, but I will be making those uh, two points if I get to them. I'll, I'll probably just talk no about... No yielding. Yeah. There's no yielding in a Christopher Nolan. Movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't no know No yielding I'll... of any kind. Yeah. Uh, and so it's big swing versus trying too hard. Wow, those are... Those are uh, mirror images of each other. It'll be interesting to see who wins the the battle of mirror images. Kyle, are you done? Yes, I thank you. Wonderful. Um, Possibly for the podcast. Uh, I don't know if I have anything planned beyond that. Okay, well, uh, let me give a brief synopsis of this movie for our listeners who have never seen this movie. I don't know why. Good yeah. luck. I'm going to go to the bathroom I, during <laughs> that. So if I'm quiet, yeah, yeah, please I seriously do. Everyone... I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> According to IMDb, the leading resource on movies in general, The synopsis of this movie, a thief who steals corporate secrets through use of the dream-sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. All right, first of all, that logline gave me a boner. That logline gave me a boner. Fuck yeah, make that movie and get billions and millions, millions and millions of dollars to do it. Yes, if any filmmaker that turns that down, fuck them. That's exactly what movies should be made of because of the logline that you just said, but go ahead. This is <laughs> all right. Sustained. I sustained the the prosecution's uh, statement there. Sustained. Sustained. Uh, no, this is a ballsy movie, and this is actually one of the few we never see original content made into a two hundred million dollar movie, aside from Christopher Nolan movies. And after what was his last movie, the outer space movie? What was that? Called? Uh, in- Interstellar. Inter- Interception. Stellar. In- Interstellar. In- Inception. Stellar. <laughs> He's making only in movies now. Uh, okay, so um, let's uh, begin this. Steve, your um, your first point regarding Inception. Begin. Well, I'd like to uh, strangely open up with a compliment for this film. And I re- it was the first thing I wrote down, first thing in Discovery, as uh, I was <laughs> deposing this film, a.k.a. watching it on my computer in <laughs> fucking in misery. Um, but... Leonardo DiCaprio's hair is amazing. Oh, it's well, it's, the, it's the best yeah. special effect in the DiCaprio movie. DiCaprio hair, it is yeah, uh, just thick and wavy, and it just starts nowhere and ends nowhere. It's I like know. a Mobius <laughs> strip. I'm lost in it. He is his fantastic as a as a panel of three follically challenged men. I am in awe of his hair. He is a powerful, powerful man. It's legit too. It's like, good stuff. As, you know, it's it's real. There's there's, there's no uh, there's no work going on. That's there. not that that's God not augmented like Ben Affleck's or plugs yeah. like Sylvester Stallone. It is mesmerizing. I, I have to give a compliment where a compliment is due. Sure. His hair is far more interesting than any secondary character in the movie. I had more of a relationship with his hair than Ellen Page, uh, Looper guy, uh, Mad Max. Other than that, I have uh, uh, nothing else good to say about the movie. <laughs> well, I give you credit for that. That that's more than you give. Uh, you've given a lot of the the movies you're prosecuting, and and it it, it might be enough to to exonerate this movie. His hair was not enough. I needed to see some pubes or something, or his cotton tail, or <laughs> I can me. only imagine his pubes are as well quaffed as yeah. his oh, head, like a golden hour, you know, across the Pacific Ocean as the sun sets. It must just be beautiful. Also, does does the movie not begin on a on a bullet train? Is it in Japan in the beginning? I was just on a bullet train. I walked the whole train. There are no compartments where you can lay down and have a little party like they were doing. So. Just details, guys. But aside from the hair and the bullet train fuck-up, um, I think the movie is filled with so much exposition. The movie explains and explains and over-explains itself. And I really think there's a cool concept in there. I, I, I was excited to see the movie. 
but they're so afraid that the viewer is too dumb to follow along that they hit you over the head over and over. Even to the point where an hour in the movie, they're still explaining the rules of this world. Also, I'd like to ask the court a question about this movie. Michael Caine is in it, but he's in it for about 19 seconds in the beginning and the end. He's just Was he supposed to be a part of the movie? All I hear now when Michael Caine speaks is Steve Coogan doing Michael Caine in yeah. that show, The Trip. <laughs> she was 16 years old. I, I, I will not I, I, bury I, another I, Batman in a cow. <laughs> just stop this podcast and go watch The Trip with Steve Coogan. I cannot, yeah. I cannot not hear Steve Coogan doing it. He might as well just <laughs> yeah. cast Steve Coogan doing Steve Michael Caine. <laughs> and also, my side question is, is Michael Caine the British version of Christopher Walken? No, because I don't accept Christopher Walken in this courtroom, but Michael Caine impressions, I'm okay with. Okay. Bring, bring it. She was only 16 years old. That's actually the first time I've ever attempted a Michael Caine impression, so it's not good. But Okay, Kyle, why don't you go now? Well, you know, I'll go, uh, and then Kruger, we can wrap back right to you real quickly. I'll, I'll uh, move up. I, I had this argument for later, but it, it touches on what you just talked about, which is the exposition. I have a lot to say about the filmmaking of this and the, the what this exposition is couched in, which I think is really wonderfully fun filmmaking. But I don't feel overstuffed the way I feel uh, like a Michael Bay movie is overstuffed. I think it's elegantly laid out, actually, and actually well crafted in its in its own way is interstellar overstuffed i've never seen the movie oh it's utter nonsense it's different in the way he tries to lay out the ideas but they're actually very similar it's big ideas and that's the thing you know and you you, you mentioned kind of uh, make an art film or not make an art film you know pauline kale your favorite kruger oh. I, I believe in, in talking about godfather <laughs> Enough with that old dustbag <laughs> well i'm just crediting i'm, I'm not uh kissing her feet right now as much as just crediting her with what I'm about to talk about, which is she talked about pop art and she talked about pop art and cinema. And I think it was in reference to Godfather and this idea of making, uh, you either make an art film or you make a popular entertainment movie. And every once in a while you get a real attempt at both. Right. And it's one of the hardest things you can do. And I believe Nolan did it fantastically with Dark Knight in which he was able to really imbue a, a superhero movie that was made for masses with a very that, dark that film is not on trial sustained sustained let's let's get back on track well but what I'm saying Inception is a one for me movie which means it's a movie that Christopher Nolan was able to do because he made The Dark Knight. And now this is an arrangement that is becoming less and less frequent. It was a little bit more frequent back in the day. He is one of the few that can do that now, yeah. Yeah, you can't do it as much. And he took fucking full advantage. He said, all right, I'm going to get a shitload of money and try to to put these crazy ideas on screen. Good for him. The, the, the one for me concept gave us conversation, for instance. Godfather was done by Coppola basically so that he could do the conversation. Now, Coppola then made conversation, which was kind of a smaller film of his. Nolan went the opposite route. He tried to use the money and the resources he was not going to get gonna get to make Inception, this this mind fuck of a movie. Yes, there's a lot of rulemaking. There's a lot of rule explaining in it. But I admired the game and the exercise. I, I admired what they were trying to do because Nolan has a great touch in terms of the way he handles unique material, you know, cliche and stuff. He tries to really avoid cliche. So you can see him. There's a little bit of a laboredness and a tediousness to the way they try to do the exposition. And it's couched in such great filmmaking 
that I didn't mind it. And I kind of liked the ideas they were throwing. Dream sharing. It was kind of an interesting idea. I liked the idea of uh, the, the multi-levels. The Is this dream a reality? The idea that they were kind of junkies. And by the way, we should have big movies by amazing directors with amazing cinematographies with gorgeous people doing cool things. Well, it's interesting. I, I've never thought about this movie in terms of its exposition being either good or bad. That never really impacted me i mean it was part of the movie steve are you arguing that that's something that really upsets you about this movie is the well the, yeah they um, spend half of the movie explaining the movie they don't just let it happen and you put the pieces together all um uh what's his name looper guy what the fuck is his name jonathan jonathan gordon joseph lovett whatever the fuck is he? john lovett's it's john lovett's john lovett's <laughs> Bob Evans, who plays uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, <laughs> hair croupier, spends the entire movie just explaining what's going on. And then they bring Ellen Page in, who is the actor version of Ambien. Uh, she comes in and goes, what's going on? And then there's like 400 more scenes of him explaining it and explaining it. At one point, I just wanted like pop-up graphics to to enter the screen and, and define what a subconscious is and a paradox. And the army developed this technology, blah, 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 blah. At, at, at a certain point... I just wanted them to start the movie. And I, I agree with the defense attorney, Mr. Bornheimer. Uh, I love the concept of it. I love entering other people's dreams, though I renamed this movie um, Inception, colon, A Nightmare on Concept Street. Um, the, there's so many ideas, he can't let any of them go, and he can't... I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is a great idea, and it's a great movie. There are real stakes. You die in your dream, you die. That's an amazing movie, yeah. An underrated movie, actually. Also, um, and for some reason, they need to. This movie needs to take place in eighteen different major cities. It starts in Tokyo and then goes to Paris for no reason. Well, well, first of all, he can't go back to he can't go back to the United States. And I actually think the sequence where it's exp- yeah. Well, why can't he be in Toronto? The whole movie could have taken place in in Vancouver. <laughs> you're you're mad at this movie that he when he fled he didn't go just to Toronto. I mean, what, maybe maybe he doesn't like the taxes. <laughs> How about Cabo San Lucas? Well, I think the point is that he doesn't go to a specific country when he flees. He 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 keeps moving because uh, there's so many countries that do have extradition. So um, all I all, uh, and I remember being bored about the first hour through the movie, and he's in Tangiers for no reason, and he's meeting with or wherever Morocco. I didn't even remember. Steve, were um, you bored the first time you saw this? Even in the th- the first time no, in the No, I, I was I kept waiting for it to kick in and, and then I realized, "Oh, it's this is a full hour and a half until they enter the dream." It's this is they they could have entered the dream in about 20 minutes. It in. does play better. You mentioned you so you just watched it on your computer, which is your first mistake, and this goes to a lot of things we 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 often talk about on this podcast, which is the big screen experience. Kyle rented out a theater to to properly watch this movie last Kyle night. Kyle has a time machine and went back to 2010. I still there's still a lot to to recommend about it, but it did play better on a Friday night seeing it on the big screen when you're kind of hooked hooked into it. <clears throat> I, I notice on the on the small screen that it's a little more tedious the second time around. The first time you're kind of forced to go along with it, and like I said, there's so much good filmmaking around it that I, what I trust about Nolan is even if I'm in a scene that's a little getting a little bit tedious, that around the corner, I know that there's going to be an amazing set piece and a set piece that is done in a really unique way. Um, I, I think he's proven that. He proved it in Dark Knight. He proved it in Inception. He's proven it uh, a couple times in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, in Dark Knight, he did the same set piece like three times. My point is, I like the guy's set pieces, and I and I think there, I, I think he has a really. Unique I think I found t- the perfect movie for Kyle. I think it should just be called Set Piece, and it's just a series of set pieces that just fade to black. And we do like just- set pieces in this courtroom, Steve. So you should be careful. 
if you want to win this case. There are a couple of excellent ones in this one. And for the second time in pod in our podcast in movie court history, I teared up during an action scene. I teared up. And and this will give you a hint if Ryan's going to decide with me or not. Ryan, where where do you think I teared up in this movie? The hallway set piece? Yeah. In the hallway scene. Like the first time that the, the that uh, John Lovitz uh, fl- floats up to fight that guy. It is so, alone. For, forget everything else. I could admit to you that the exposition sucks, that it's silly ideas, that it's too much about DiCaprio's hair, that it's uh, overly ambitious. The set piece alone in that fucking hallway... You don't put this in jail for it. You don't deprive cinematic corridors of this movie. <sighs> that that set piece alone is glorious. It's 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 second to none, and it, you you just you can't do it. All right. Well, uh, why don't we? Uh, we're gonna have to move into our closing statements. And uh, Steve. No, I have Kruger. I have more shit to say about Tom Hardy. Well, you can you can put that into your closing statements. Oh, when I saw Tom Hardy, I prayed this was all a dream Mad Max was having. We'd wake up and we'd be in Fury Road. I what really if Tom did. Hardy is next to Tom Brady in your dream? In your uh, in Tom your... Brady and Tom, Tom Hardy making out, and also it's Fury Road. <laughs> I was gonna say I would think you would love this movie. Any appearance of anything connecting to Mad Max Fury Road. I also discovered a really good drinking game. Um, you drink anytime a character says the word dream. And you will be dead in less than 10 minutes. It's really less a drinking game and more of a suicide pact. But they do say dream quite a bit. Um, and also the movie has ridiculous stakes because the whole plot is they need to break up a company. which That's absurd. Just kidnap him and cut a it's finger off. It's corporate espionage. Say, that was all the rage back then. And, and while they're in the dream, they can't die. They what kill you die in a dream you wake up but then they decide oh in this dream if you die you go to limbo they just change the rules why why didn't the chemist guy explain to them oh i'm gonna make some chemicals that knock him out so you can go three dreams deep but don't, it was don't but die. it was dicaprio it was dicaprio hiding an element from the rest of the crew yeah. that he knew about so that they, we could have a moment when they realize that he's betrayed them because it, the stakes are so high to him to get back to his kids. I mean, the stakes are actually incredibly high. The, se- the sequence that explains this of why Mary- Marianne Cotillard jumped from that where she didn't know if it was real or fake and that she jumped thinking that it was fake, if I believe, if I get lost in this, um, so that she could go back to her kids when in fact maybe she was already in reality. Um, and how he learned about the limbo from that and how much that meant to him. That was the stakes, and that's why he couldn't tell anybody, because he had to hide the fact that, that Mole, whatever her name is, could could bring all this down. I, I don't mind that twist, especially in a movie about about dreams. And and it's also, it's in the tradition of Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, I was kind of thinking about all dream-based movies, and movies are great. All two of them. What's, what's well, another one? Well, you got, you got Charlie Kaufman. You got This is actually an action version oh, yeah. of the, what the Charlie Kaufman movie. Mm. There's what me dreams may come. There's David That's Lynch. David That's Lynch talks death. a lot about how half his movies are kind of dream based. Um, you have all Louis Bunnell's stuff. You have, I mean, going back to all the beginning of cinema, they were trying to to sort of uh, emulate the dream experience. So, I, I, I like that this is in the tradition of that, and I think it's a successful. And it, this is an action, epic action version of the dream cinema experience and wait wasn't this supposed to be steve's closing argument <laughs> i don't even know sorry i uh... but back to uh, christopher nolan being being british or not british he he, he definitely identifies as british because he has a british accent and he looks like he just got out of boarding school i also i have never laughed so hard every time they cut back to that passenger van super slowly falling backwards 
That was oh, that's just a great sequence. that was so ridiculous. And also, um, <laughs> wait, ridiculous in a movie that's set in dreams. <laughs> they can they can go anywhere. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies set in dreams, and they do crazy things. In this movie, we see uh, fifteen pass vans, rainy downtown Los Angeles streets, a lot of hotel lobbies, a lot of hotel rooms, a lot of hotel elevators, and snow. They literally can go anywhere and do anything, and we're basically in a bunch of... We're at the W Hotel for, like, half the movie. <laughs> Why don't they go into space or... Why like, not? Well... That's no. as good a setting as any. Oh. Well, actually, there's a legitimate reason, because they had to create a, a reality for the person that they were trying to rob from that made them not get too suspicious. Okay, as fascinating as our discussion about the W Hotel is, let's move on here. Steve, did you make your closing arguments? Because I don't I, even I, know anymore. I, there's no closing argument. This is this movie doesn't make any sense. It has one or two really great set pieces. It has some of the best Hollywood hair I've ever seen, outside of I don't know uh, shampoo with Warren Beatty. I mean, it's just fantastic hair. But um, it does the same classic bullshit high concept ending. The little uh, the top he spins. What do they call it? The is he dreaming or is he is he awake? Did he really get home? And you can enjoy discussing that with your spouse on the way to the the fucking Bennigans you're going to after the movie. It's it's just it doesn't add up. It doesn't take you anywhere. I don't care about his kids. It it could have been chopped down. There's a really cool idea at at the center. My closing argument. There's a really cool idea at the center of this movie, and it is obfuscated by a lot of talking, a lot of uh, hair way too too combed way too many times john lovitz's hair is way too combed mad max's hair too perfectly parted ellen page her hair was okay but uh and it, it was distractingly uh, combed the hair it was it was, it was just very tiny yeah I, i'm always struck by how tiny she is yeah hey mister <laughs> every time she comes up it is like she's like Excuse me, sir. Why did I say a line in the I would movie? imagine in between takes, she shivers like a chihuahua. Okay, yeah. Kyle, very... Uh, Kyle, give us your 20-second closing statement. You just... You don't take... There's just too much. You, 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 you take away from the world if you put this movie in jail. You, I mean, even starting with the key art and the trailers that were awesome and this, the score, which it's an interesting score. I think the score is a bit overused and blustery. I think he was actually hiding some of that exposition and stuff. The score is horrible. The score is like a video game score. It's, it's just I do feel like Hans Zimmer writes a lot of music scores in his in his sleep. There's a lot of phoned in Hans Zimmer scores. Yeah, I, we we could do a whole episode about the the state of scores, which I don't mind. You know, yeah. But anyway, um, I need I need Christopher Nolan out there. Yeah, him, Alfonso Cuarón, and um, maybe a couple others that are making this these kinds of movies when they get the chance. When fucking Hollywood gives them the chance to use their amazing skills on a big canvas and, and and fuck yeah that he tried out these crazy dream ideas and he tried to do a, a two and a half hour action version of of a charlie kaufman script yes 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 give me more i don't care about the 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 the, the, the tiny little flaws of it in its exposition there are at least three set pieces that are amazing and one that is one of the best of all time christopher nolan summer 2016 set piece I don't know what else is on Wish You Were the album Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd, but Wish You Were Here is on it. So you're not going to fucking put that album in jail because all the other songs on it suck. Okay, uh, let me render my. Uh, it is time for me to render my decision in this case. I, I'm siding with the defense, and my take on this movie is that one day Christopher Nolan woke up and said, "You know what would be a cool place to set an action movie in a dream." 
because I could create some amazing action sequences where there's no rules. Here's the other thing. Uh, us Bond nerds know that Christopher Nolan is a huge James Bond fan. So I feel like his entire career, he's just trying to make a Bond movie. So plots be damned. I don't pay attention to what this movie's about. I know there's some sort of emotional component with his wife who kills herself. And I feel it enough to sort of care. But I'm engaged enough in the movie that happens in front of me to certainly not put it in in prison. I understand that it's a divisive movie. Some people think it's up its own ass and pretentious, but that's kind of Nolan generally. And I, I kind of choose to ignore those aspects of him because there's a lot of fun in his movies to be had. So I'm not going to put this movie in prison. You know, every couple of years we can revisit this movie. Maybe maybe it uh, can be on the run for a couple of years and then you can bring it back up for uh, prosecution. Oh, no, I'm not watching this movie again. <laughs> two, was, two was enough. And I think Kyle's analogy earlier to Pink Floyd is perfect because Pink Floyd are horrible, but people, because they're British, assume that you can't say anything bad about them. <laughs> Actually, and interestingly enough, Pink Floyd is from Chicago. They're, uh, they're from Chicago. They pretend to be British. If they were if they were from Chicago, they never would have hit because the people would have said, this is, why are you talk singing over this bad music? But because they're English, they get a pass. And I think because Christopher Nolan, whether he's British or a Chicagoan or a Torontian or wherever the fuck he's really from. The greatest mystery of Inception is whether or not Christopher Nolan is British. And I'm going to spin that little top and wonder if the top stops spinning, he's British, and if it stays, he's from Van Nuys. I don't know. Where is he from? I thought they were from out east. Who the fuck knows? I will say this. He suffers from a similar thing as Sam Mendes does in his in Sam Mendes' Bond movies. Um, he could use a good editor who who tells him to uh you know what let's scale back on this 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 20 minute sequence let's cut this back to 10 sometimes he can be a little self indulgent that's kind of the reason i didn't see interstellar Ugh. because it just with matthew mcconaughey on top of 3 hours like ooh. this is the wall pink floyd interstellar is um the final cut it's just ugh. <laughs> ugh. why why did they even put this out Oh, and it's also called the totem, the the top. That's oh, been... yes, please. That's the term. Damn it. Okay, well, maybe I will rule with you only because you came up with the term totem. Uh, I'm now reversing my rule. I'm going to go with Steve because he came up with totem. Uh, because with this movie, I could go either way. I just looked it up on the internet. I didn't do anything oh, special. Oh, you looked it up? You shouldn't have said that. If I, I would have given you credit for that. Okay, now I'm going back with the defense. If Steve had had come up with that term on his own, I would have I would have sided with him. I blocked but, it um, all out. Like I'm trying to block out the movie and poor Marion <laughs> Coltillo who had such a great promise and then she's just been doing crappy movies ever since. Poor. Well, she teamed up with Nolan who put her in that uh, the third Dark Knight Ugh. movie, which I actually love that movie, but she's the wasted character. Okay, so um, I'm siding with the defense. This movie, you're free to go. All right, why don't we uh, do our various plugs. Steve, do you want to plug yourself as we uh, move out of this? Uh, I have no creative projects to plug at the moment, but you can reach me at Twitter at, at Steven Kruger. I'm Twitterable at Kyle Bornhammer. I have a show on CBS with Jane Lynch, Maggie Lawson, and Kevin Pollack coming out in February called Angel from Hell. And uh, you can see me at ArcLight on any given night watching movies. <laughs> um, actually, I haven't fucking... My whole week has been trying to see Room. Uh, I, week, I was just telling you something the other day. Weeks go by where I, my whole week is me not getting to a movie that I've been wanting to see. Um, this has been one of those weeks I've not been able to get to a movie that I've been wanting to see. So 
Maybe you'll see me at room tonight. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Movie Court. Also, if you want to nominate movies to bring into this courtroom, you can email us at themoviecourt at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Uh, if that is all, gentlemen, this court is adjourned. Thank you very much. She was only 16 years old. No, I can't do it. I'm doing an old Jewish lady. Movie Core. Movie Core.